What is up, Baton Rouge? Welcome back to the Tiger Pride Podcast presented by 225 Magazine. I'm Mark Clements here, as always, with the one and only Jarrett Roser of TigerDetails.com. Coming to you after, uh, I guess it was a it was a pretty big game. What do you think? Uh, it was. Did you watch it? It was, was the the most well played football game by uh, an American football team in the last century. I think last century. <laughs> no, but seriously, it was. We talked about the Ole Miss game being a the most complete game for LSU at that point, and this game was something entirely different. This was a manhandling of number two Georgia, which we talked about last week. Uh, there were some some good matchups there for mm-hmm. for LSU, but to come out and score the first 16 points, never let the Bulldogs back to within 10, and ultimately come away with a 36-16 to 16 victory that I think caught the nation's attention in a lot of ways, I, I think really kind of exceeded any expectations that anyone who isn't the mother of a, an LSU football player had. I really wanted to just start the podcast and just like just say, bruh, because you almost called it last week, like you like you wanted to call it, but you didn't. But you didn't do it. I, I you just wanted look, to. Looking at the matchup, I mean, we read we read the text that I sent out. Yeah, and bruh, bruh they might win this weekend because there were a lot of pieces there to think that that LSU would get the victory. I just I thought it was going to be a pretty close game, and with some of the ups and downs LSU had had, I I just kind of waited and was hesitant with it to give. Georgia the edge until until proven otherwise one thing that kind of kept coming back to me is Tiger Stadium is a tough place to go play when you're you're not used to it but a lot of players on this Georgia team played in the playoffs last year they Mm -hmm. travel really well all those things and so I thought that maybe that wouldn't be as much of an edge as it kind of seemed like it was at points because that atmosphere was crazy and uh, I think LSU really kind of thrived off it. Maybe not even hurting Georgia as much as helping LSU. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the atmosphere. That was absolutely nuts and one of the best that I've seen, um, especially in the past couple of years. I think that Bama game in 2016 kind of may rival it. But I'll give Georgia fans credit, dude. They they traveled. There was a lot of uh, – there was a sea of red up in the upper deck, and then there was a good number of sprinkles of red even in the lower bowl. Um they traveled well, but I mean, LSU fans were loud. They were bumping. Uh, pulls off, like you mentioned, the thirty-six sixteen win. There was really only, I mean, this was like a you mentioned. This is a dominant performance by LSU. There was really only a couple moments where I had the feeling that Georgia was going to take this game into their own hands. One of them was early on. Uh, LSU goes three and out on the opening drive for negative one yards, and you're thinking, okay. Uh, the Georgia drives down five uh, five plays, nineteen yards, and then for some reason decides to oh, sorry the first drive was not the punt the second drive second Georgia second drive was the punt uh for some reason decides to do a fake a fake field goal early on that was on a third and nine of all things it just seemed like an odd call and uh, Grant Delpit snuffs it out and, and makes the tackle uh one of the plays coach O said was one of the best plays he's ever seen as a coach. He tackled was, that guy pretty much backwards. Yeah, he it was, did. It was pretty weird. What do you think of the call? I mean, when you first saw him try to less, he tried to pull the less miles over the head toss, and he, George tried to less miles LSU. What What was your first? My first thought was like, what, what do they do? Like third and nine, and then they, I mean LSU snuffed it out. I guess if it works, you kind of quiet the crowd and you get the momentum going. But it just seemed like a a weird call in a weird situation. Yeah, nine is a lot of yards to try and get on a flip over. Yeah, to trust your kicker to run your, that. Your holder's 
head to a kicker to get nine yards. They, your offense just got one on three downs. Um, but you look at it and they feel like it's early, a game they're supposed to win, but maybe uh, make a statement, take the crowd out of it. And I mean, it's it's a risky play, obviously, but it's it's one that Kirby Smart and company clearly at that moment felt like, you know, we maybe see something that we think we can get away with here. And in retrospect, if it works out, you're talking about it for yeah the next 10 years. This ballsy call that really silenced the Tiger Stadium crowd early yeah. on, it just did not go that way. And so it, it kind of momentum-wise really helped LSU the other way because then the Tigers got going. Yeah, and it was also on that drive that uh, Georgia was really gashing LSU on these runs. I mean, Swift for 12, Swift for 18, Holyfield for 17, uh, Holyfield for two, Swift for seven. Uh, later on in the drive, Holyfield had nine. I mean, they, like these are big chunks of yards. I mean, right up the middle of uh, on LSU's defense, which has kind of been one of their strengths with those the D linemen and obviously Devin White up in the middle and uh, Jacob Phillips and those guys. But um, they ran effectively enough on that drive that to, it looked like it was going to be a long day for LSU. Exactly. Then the fumble comes on the on the fake field goal and then LSU responds by driving 84 yards and 12 plays uh, capped off by a Clyde Edwards Elair run um, for a touchdown put LSU up 10-0 you mentioned LSU scored the first 16 points of the game at that point you're feeling you're feeling pretty good and I was just so impressed again we mentioned after the those gashing runs how the defense looked like it was going to be vulnerable whatever change Dave Aranda and Coach O did which he kind of joked after is they were shading one way and they shaded the different way and kind of made a little joke and winked at us after. I don't know what change he actually he actually made, but whatever Dave Aranda did after that drive was effective because uh, they got, I believe, 113 yards on the ground and 69 came uh, by the time that second drive had ended. So they really shut Georgia's offense down the rest of the way, uh, made Jake Fromm look flustered, all kinds of flustered. The DBs played great. Um, they had pressure on Jake Fromm, gave him a bunch of different looks. Uh, it took Georgia up, up until the nine-minute mark in the third quarter to put up any sort of points, which is a, which is a field goal. Um, then I mentioned there was two points in the game that I felt like LSU had, uh, excuse me, Georgia had kind of the upper hand. The second came in the third quarter, whenever Georgia scored their only touchdown of the game. Uh, or excuse me, the first touchdown of the game. And then they LSU gets the ball back, goes three and out, has to punt. Um, and Nicole Hardman returns at 27 yards. It wasn't a great punt by Von Rosenberg. They start the, their field position starts at the 38. And so now you're thinking, okay, now it's 19-9. They get the big punt return. The crowd, the Georgia fans are kind of feeling it. They only have to go 38 yards to, uh, to get some points. LSU's defense steps it up again. Three-play drive, negative seven. Uh, excuse me, negative 10 yards on the drive, and LSU gets the ball back, goes down and scores, and goes up by three scores yet again. Um, that series is is huge, and that's kind of what I, I wrote an article for you guys this weekend, oh. and that's kind of what my article focused around was that that drive was the one drive before it happened and went to a commercial break, and I kind of said to myself, like, if Georgia's going to come back in this game and make this a, a game, this is that's the drive. They're going to have to do it, and, and LSU stepped up, and just that was kind of the theme of the night. Every time... Georgia had any semblance of life. LSU just just didn't let it happen. Yeah, your boy Jacoby Stevens with the sack on third down to not only 
put them into a fourth down situation, but push them way back to where they didn't look like they wanted anything to do with an extremely long field goal attempt. And so to have that much momentum going and it's looking like you're you're going to have an opportunity to uh, capitalize on a little bit of a lull from the LSU offense and, and draw back to within less than a touchdown and instead you give the ball right back and here comes LSU's offense again to um, – to score 17 points on its next three possessions. That two-point conversion stop was huge, too, because that yeah. that makes it a one-score game, and then that's kind of keeps Georgia alive. An awesome play by, I think it was Christian and um, and Devin White kind of in on that tackle. But that, that was a huge play. Um, what was the most impressive part about the win to you? I mean, there's – we always – well, not always. We we go through the the good, the bad, and the men. Like I'm, I'm struggling to find even some mes in this game. There was just a whole ton of good. I mean, I, you can go across the board, and just about every position group. I think LSU outplayed Georgia. Whether it's you look at the O line played better, the quarterback played better, the entire defense played better. The the tailbacks, you can maybe argue that Georgia had some good play. But I mean, Clyde and Nick had their had their fair share. I think across the board, LSU played really really well and I'm just trying to I'm struggling to pick which position group was the most impressive out of all these yeah they really did play well pretty across the board um or, you know we mentioned Georgia having some success running the football early and then LSU reacting to that there were a couple points early as much as Georgia has struggled to get after quarterbacks they get a sack right away and you start to think oh man that yep. offensive line is about to make the Bulldogs defensive front look good but the offensive line kind of figured some things out and and looked better for LSU uh, the rest of the game than than it appeared like they might off the bat and so it's it's hard to really knock talking about position groups or or players um, you know there were there were a couple plays where you would have liked to see um, a wide receiver make a little bit more happen. I think Derek Dillon had that a was, drop yeah, at one point. He had but, a couple of those. Um, and so that wasn't optimal, but as a group, you have Justin Jefferson's best game, Terrace Marshall's best game, uh, Jamar Chase um, getting involved. You saw uh, them start to show John Trey Kirkland a little bit at that position. You know, I'd, I'd love to see them convert better on third down so they don't have to go to all those fourth downs but that kind of ends up being my biggest knock on that performance true that's a good point um i think they snuck it they tried it what was their conversion i'm gonna pull it up before i lie to you i think it, it was what, six for 19 on third but then four for four, four for four is what it was and, and got that one stop on the georgia field goal on fourth and then, um man there's something about we talk about Joe Burrow being we, – we said earlier in the year we thought he could be a Danny Etling plus one, but I'm almost willing to scratch that comparison completely because I think he is substantially better than – no offense to my man Dual Threat Danny. Love that dude. <laughs> we had a lot of fun with that last year. But I, this dude is just, a, is just a different kind of quarterback, and I know we gave Danny a lot of credit for being tough, but this is – Joe just kind of seems like he's on a different level of, of toughness, and he just has that kind of that swagger to him when he's – you know, after a play, he'll kind of stare a dude down. Or like when he was pointing on the field and saying, "Like this is my house." Yeah, he threw an extra word in there. But his uh, his eyes on that that long run looked a little terrified. You saw the photo <laughs> yeah. after, which is funny because that's not really the way he he carries himself. But and then there's obviously a lot of uh, 
adrenaline and just awareness and whatnot going on at that moment. But <laughs> that photo is funny, the one that's circ- circling around him running from yeah. the Georgia sideline. Yeah. But, yeah, he's he's a dude that he just gets out there and makes plays, and it's cliche, and he ends up completing only 50% of his passes, uh, which is, again, not a great number, but he he did what he needed to do with those 15 for 30 for 200 yards. And when he gets an opportunity to run, he can get you a big run, as we saw against Georgia and we had seen uh, in, a, in a couple other games. And he can also, I mean, really put his head down and get you a couple tough yards yeah. in, in a spot too. And so those, those 66 yards um, – on the on the ground with with the one long one but then a few other notable gains in some spots and uh getting involved on the goal line and stuff like that it's he just does what he needs to do in situations for that team to to win um do you know where Clyde Edwards Alaire went to high school by chance um you know he went to the same high school in Baton Rouge that a lot of Really Studs. notable, and also some less notable dudes went. Uh, like he went to school with Darius, for instance. <laughs> oh um, yeah, and, and Khalil yeah, yeah. Thomas and some of those Cameron Tom. I think that school just produces some straight up talent. I mean, whatever field you go in, I think that school yeah. is just. Uh, yeah. And you're in the the camel shirt. It's Wednesday, field. baby. Hump day. Nice. My hump day shirt. I wear it every Wednesday, but I do wash it in between, so don't worry. Oh, good. My coworkers was... are very concerned that that it's the. Uh, no, don't but worry. You excel in shirts, so I'll give you that. Thanks. Um, but, man, Clyde had a, uh, his best day, I think, as a Tiger. 19 carries, True. 145. He did get – I saw you mentioned Darius. Darius tweeted at him after he uh, got caught on that – along with that 47-yarder, caught around the five-yard line or so, caught from behind. Uh, Darius was not pleased. He tweeted that he was going to – I forget what he said. It's like, come on, Clyde, something like that. But um, Those dudes pride themselves on – on their track speed breakaway ability. And he just, so, yeah, Darius was not real pleased to see <laughs> Lil Bro get caught from behind on a breakaway. Uh, well, I think I lied to you, too. I think I said Clyde got in the end zone earlier, but he was stopped at the one. Yeah, Burrow, Burrow finished the drive. Burrow, burrowed it in. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. Sorry, 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 sorry. Not a legend in the pun Sorry, game. sorry, sorry. Uh, but Clyde did not get in the end zone. He had two, man, stopping the one twice. That second one, he kind of like got spun around, almost got in. I think he was frustrated that he didn't get on get in on both of those. Um, but ha- heck of a day from him. And you mentioned Joe Burrow, 66 yards on the ground, a pair of uh, QB sneaks from the one, and then Nick Brissett got in as well. Uh, 16 carries for 64 yards. And how about that LSU defense in the secondary holding Jake Fromm, 16 of 34 for 209, one touchdown, two INTs for – uh, a whopping 16.7 QBR. And uh, we also talked to post game, talked to um, K Baby. He got his first interception of the year. How cool was that to see? And man, what a, what a play that was as well. Yeah, long time coming for Christian Fulton. Um, one that he and his family have been waiting for through all the the suspension and, and now through half of this year with so much anticipation to get back on the field. Uh, and and to get involved in so many plays in that secondary, uh, but to still be waiting on that first pick, to finally get it, I know was was a really emotional moment for him. Um, some some good moments from the pass rush to to get after Jake Fromm, and uh, and force the issue at times up front. But fantastic job by Greedy Williams, Christian Fulton, and and Fat Joseph. I thought um, mm-hmm. playing well and 
in his opportunities. I, I thought for for Christian and Fat, probably their best games so far this year. Um, but just, I mean, a really nice overall performance all over the football field. Yeah, it was good to see. Um, I mean, I feel like we've mentioned this a thousand times, but seeing how these receivers have gotten more and more involved, and you mentioned some of them earlier. Um, obviously, Jeff, uh, Justin Jefferson had another big day. Terrace Marshall was good to see him. That diving grab, I think it was the first quarter, um, off on the right side, was was awesome. Um, and you, we talked about John Trey Kirkland and how they were kind of using him offensively this this past week in practice, and we saw that pan out during the game. So that that was fun to see. And then, uh, man, special teams again. I feel like we just kind of take it for granted sometimes. But Cole Tracy, five of five, would do just automatic accounts for eighteen points on the day. And then even your boy Avery Atkins getting involved. How about that, man? I had a uh, I had to congratulate him um, in the the days after the game on just a big victory and and him coming up with a big timely play late with Georgia trying to come back. Yeah, that was awesome uh, recovering the uh, the fumble on the on the kickoff. Um, I want to make sure we touch on everything before we move on to Mississippi State. I guess just uh, let's, a let's, couple other dudes worth. Noting yeah. Ed Alexander yeah. has just continued to play more and more snaps and done a really nice job of forcing um, forcing offensive linemen, opposing offensive linemen, uh, particularly in this Georgia game, to take notice of him and also open up more opportunities for some of the guys around him. And then on the offensive line, I think as as those guys have gotten back healthy and gelled and you have Sadiq and Adrian with a, a couple games under their belt now, some of those things have, have worked themselves out. Um, better than what we've seen for most of the season. And Chase and Hines has Hines just done 57 a, a, French <laughs> a really nice job as a, a true freshman that thought he was going to be here playing defensive line to come along and, and have one of the better offensive line performances uh, for that team against number two Georgia. So the wind propels LSU back up to number five. And up until this week, or I guess – after the loss, they kind of dropped down a little bit. But whenever they were number five previously, we had the, the discussion of if we thought this team was a legitimate top five team in the country. God, I'm so glad and you're bringing this up. Up until this game, we both said no. But I, this the win against Georgia convinced me that I I don't know if they're consistently week in and week out one of the top five teams in the country. But after this win, I have no doubt that they have at least the ability to compete with every single team in the country. And if they take care of business this week, that matchup against Bama will tell us a lot more and will be a, a huge game again in Tiger Stadium. be awesome to watch. But um, you, I was, change, you change your opinion on I was trying five? to see if the column that I wrote on Tuesday was live on our site yet. Is it? It is not. Uh-oh. Um, Teaser. I'll let you read the first two or three sentences of this column on – tigerdetails.com whenever the LSU internet loads it. LSU enters a second game in the past three weeks ranked number five in the nation. Only this time the Tigers have now actually looked the part. Now the question becomes, can they do so consistently? Unplanned. Uh, yep. yeah. <laughs> I did not know he was going to bust that one out. But uh, but seriously, they if they play like they played against Georgia, they are one of the top four or five teams in the yeah. country question becomes can they i think mississippi state presents more problems than people might want to hear about right now uh, after such an emotional and huge victory against georgia but i think 
What we saw against Georgia is a lot of reason to think that the Tigers can continue to do that sort of thing. I don't think the Florida loss was that bad. I thought they no. played better against Florida than they played in some previous games that they've continued to improve. I've been really impressed with the job that Coach Orgeron and company have done to just kind of I'm not I'm not gonna say block out the noise, but to <laughs> to minimize some of the uh, the hype that goes along with winning and not letting the team get too high on itself and all those things and, and to keep focused on those little things that they could continue to improve upon because even when they were winning those first five games, there were still a lot of flaws and they did a really good job of focusing on that aspect and saying, okay, that's great. We're two and zero. that's great. We're three and zero. whatever. We still have to do this, 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 and yeah. this better to be the team that we're going to need to be down the stretch. And I think they've done a great job of that so far. I think there's reason to believe they can continue to do so. The turnover margin at this point through a year and a half, there's no reason to think that they can't continue to take care of the football and force turnovers and, and win that area. And so that's a great baseline, those things. And then to see some of those guys we were just talking about, Justin Jefferson, Clyde edwards Elair, Terrace Marshall, Chasen Hines, Ed Alexander, uh, Christian Fulton, mm-hmm. Fat Joseph coming along, some guys like Adrian McGee, Sadiq Charles, and Jacob Phillips getting back healthy. I think there's a lot of reason to think that they can look more like they looked on Saturday moving forward than than people might give them credit for right now or that they looked four weeks ago or whatever the case right. may be. And if that, if that does prove to be uh, the case for LSU, then – the rest of this uh, football season is going to be real fun. Well, the, the, the thing to me is, like, it's already fun, the fact that LSU is even in this conversation. And, like, make no mistake, they are a legitimate power a playoff contender at, at this point. I mean, obviously things can change if if something goes down the drain in the next few weeks. But as of right now, they are a legitimate CFP contender, which is fun. And it's so impressive, not just what they're doing or how they're doing it, but it's so impressive to think – I mean, just look back two, three months ago as to <laughs> when – and the, you, you know, one of the first podcasts we did of the year, we were looking at, uh, you know, they fire Matt Canada, they hire Steve Intimaker, big question marks there. We talked about all the question marks on the offense. We talk about two quarterbacks transferring. We talk about guys getting suspended from the team, off the team, arrested left and right. I mean, like, it was, it did, it didn't look good two, three months ago. And to think that they've come all this way and beat Miami away from home, beat Auburn on the road and now beat number two Georgia significantly not not any sort of fluke win um again just like just I cannot speak to how impressive this season is and I think you got to start giving coach O credit I know a lot of people were kind of probably not probably definitely prematurely jumping on him and calling for his head and wanting to you know who's gonna be the next coach all this kind of stuff um I think at this point you you got to give him credit for what he's done so far and and like you mentioned, it's 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 fun as hell watching this team be competitive nationally and not just um, hoping for seven, eight wins and call this year a success and looking into the future. So they have now, through seven games, three defeats of top ten opponents, top eight opponents by a combined 37 points, mm-hmm. which is, is pretty impressive. And I really yeah. – the Florida matchup was just not a good one for them. Florida obviously – continues to show that it is one of the better teams in the country behind no that defense that the defensive front and the pass rush that gave LSU so much trouble is just an elite group 
that matched up really well against LSU's weakness, and still there they were with a, a one-point game say, in the final couple minutes. Yeah, essentially a one-point game. And so that's I don't think that's a bad loss to have. And they have some pretty good wins. I, th- I think some of the luster has kind of worn off the Miami and Auburn wins. Yeah. But I don't think those are bad football teams. I think there's just a lot of pretty evenly matched football teams in the country. And in the last couple weeks, uh, those two have, have run into some uh, some poor days or some bad matchups for themselves. But I still I have a hard time looking around the country and saying that someone has a notably better resume to this point than LSU and LSU is just now starting to reach some of its potential uh, that mm-hmm. we saw against uh, Georgia. So as much as all eyes in Baton Rouge outside of football ops now probably start to turn a little bit to the Alabama game because they see the potential end game, uh, depending on how that outcome is, things have to start with Mississippi State because that's another interesting matchup. Uh, but if they can beat Mississippi State, then all of a sudden that – Alabama LSU matchup becomes one of the biggest uh, in that series in recent years, mm-hmm. and that's saying quite a bit. Yeah, and thank goodness we're gonna have two weeks to talk about that one because, uh, like you said, if LSU gets past Mississippi State, I don't want to make any sort of like <laughs> judgments on like, yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna get past it. Mississippi State's a really really good. Bro, they might team. lose that game. <laughs> I'll be going double, bro, two weeks in a <laughs> row. I hope that one doesn't come out because I want I, just for the sheer sake I want to see another top five matchup in Tiger Stadium that would be awesome to watch. But um, before we move on, since I've forgotten the past two weeks, let's go players of the week. And since there's so many options, I feel like on both sides of the ball, I'll let you go first because I I won't feel bad taking whatever scraps are left because even the scraps are pretty salty this week. Yeah, I mean I'll go Clyde hate you probably (laughs) um just to lessen the chs love fest that might unfurl (laughs) if i let you take the the sophomore running back um clyde had his best game so far 145 yards a career high on 19 carries uh which is not a career high so he averages 7.6 per attempt and really just i mean he had a lot of nice runs he certainly would have loved to finish a big one off a little bit more, but I thought he did a really nice job and he's really, he's really come on the past few weeks. And, um, as much as we talked about Nick Brosette being the, the feature guy early in the season, Clyde has, has at least evened it out to where both of those guys are really reliable options, but he's, he's kind of taken the lead the last few weeks and gave them a rushing attack that they really needed against a Georgia team that, you know, our guy Jimmy Smith, he talked about in his predictions going into the weekend that 175 rushing yards was kind of an interesting uh, mark for him and that LSU needed to hold Georgia to less than that and LSU probably needed to get up close to that. And LSU holds Georgia to 113. Meanwhile, Clyde gets 145 by himself. Yeah. I like the Clyde pick, unbiasedly. <laughs> I'm going Joey B., Josiah, the Joe's in one. His stats didn't blow you through the roof again. 15 of 30, 200 isn't spectacular, but the passes he made when he had to make them and just the the grit and the and the toughness and the, getting those one-yard runs um, on fourth down and just the way he controls the offense. and it's I feel like it's so overstated, but you can just tell he's a 
a coach's son, just the way he dictates the offense, when to go into tempo, when not to. Um, again, the, the decision-making, when to throw it away, when to tuck it and run, when to take a risk on some passes. He just it seems to make the right decision damn near every time. Um, and just he was the difference maker in this game, and he's been the different. That's the that's the kind of guy LSU's needed under center for for a while. Um, just a playmaker, a guy who doesn't need to do anything overly quote unquote spectacular, meaning in the stat book, not needing to pad the stats, but just make the big plays and look a good team in the eye and and um, and find a way to get past him. So I'm going I'm going Joey B. He's that dude. He is that dude. He, we're gonna go defensively, man. You got some options over here on defense. Yeah, the defense. The Devin White Award is what we called it. And Devin had another and he might, really yeah. nice game. <clears throat> I don't know. Defensively, you can go a lot of different directions. Devin stands out. Um, I think the guy at Alexander that I mentioned was a, mm-hmm. a, a nice um, – I'd look at more as maybe an X factor than necessarily the defensive player of the game. But I thought Devin and the two cornerbacks were – probably the standouts to me i'll i'll go christian fulton because just his whole background and story and to come up with um a critical interception in that game and and really shut things down and everything lsu tried to do defensively oh was up front about it on wednesday was going to involve having a lot of confidence in those cornerbacks to be on islands more often than otherwise necessarily might have been the case because they had to slow down the run and so for Christian to step up and have the type of shutdown game that he had on one side with everybody being pretty confident about Greedy Williams week in week out at this point on the other side uh, I think was was really critical for that defensive performance overall not that we've seen every cornerback tandem in the country but I mean now with the emergence of Christian and how he's played this year you you think Christian and Greedy is probably, if not the best, one of the best one-two punches quarterbacks in the country. DBU. Um, if if that uh, if that team, if those two guys, if that duo plays the way they did against Georgia, which for all the talk about the the running backs, Georgia has some pretty good wide receivers. Yeah. Then I think you have to consider Greedy Williams and Christian Fulton to be uh, among the top the top uh, cornerback pairings nationwide totally great and i wish they had um one more year together but probably won't be the case with i mean Greedy. they could if you want to campaign for it i'll campaign for it just t- t- tell me what to do um stay tuned <laughs> i'm gonna go i'm gonna go grant Delpit. dude was everywhere um obviously on the uh fake field goal he made that tackle and read that play and uh, coach O, like he said, one of the best college, one of the best plays he's seen as a coach, and Coach O has been coaching for a long time. Uh, he had a nice, I don't know what you call it, just a, a, a deflection um, on a pass that I don't even know how he got to. And Jake Fromm threw it from the zone end zone, yeah. and he kind of just jumped up and swatted that thing down. It looked like he just had a Michael Jordan arm with the way that thing stuck up there. Um, finished with seven tackles, five solo, uh, one tackle for loss, but the dude has just been. A monster. He was named a midseason All American along with Devin White, Greedy, and our boy Cole, Ice Cole Tracy. Um, but yeah, I'm going dump it. But you can really go a lot, a lot of directions with this one. So now we'll turn to Mississippi State, four and two on the year, one and two in conference. They uh, they also lost to Florida in a 13 to six matchup. 
other loss came against a surprisingly good Kentucky team. Um, that one was 28-7. to Got a really salty defense. They're number eight in the country in total defense at 289 yards per game, number 14 in pass defense, 19 in rush defense, and number six on third down conversions, which I know you mentioned earlier was going to be something you're going to look for for LSU to capitalize on. But, um, God, I feel like we say it every week that, like, I mean, we said it for Auburn, then we said it for Florida, then now we're saying it for State, but this is LSU's toughest defensive test of the year. But, like, this one might be State and Bama are probably going to be the two best defenses they play all year. I just think this whole stretch defensively is so challenging for for LSU. That meat of the schedule that we talked about, even in the preseason, from Florida to Georgia to Mississippi State, and then after the bye, going against Alabama. Because I I don't think you can overlook the Florida defense. I think the Florida defense, uh, from a pass rush standpoint and a takeaway standpoint, is one of the top couple, if not the best, in in the country and you mentioned a lot of those stats from Mississippi State scoring defense after this past week number one in the country 12.7 points allowed per game after only allowing nine points to that Auburn team that everyone was talking so much about Mm -hmm. earlier in the season and I think after the the loss to Kentucky people started to back off of Mississippi State a little bit because Kentucky just hasn't traditionally been that good and so everyone's saying how do you lose to Kentucky 28 to 7 and they turn around and go back to back with a loss to Florida where they can't get a lot going offensively, but still only lose that game 13-6. to six. And people – it was funny because I, I started to hear people say, you know, Kentucky's pretty good because Kentucky just kind of kept rolling these recent weeks and saying Kentucky was what, you know, we thought Mississippi State was going to be. I think they're both just that. Like they're yeah. both incredibly athletic, particularly defensive teams that cause matchup nightmares for a lot of the people in front of them and – while Kentucky got the best of that head-to-head matchup a few weeks back and Mississippi State dropped back-to-back games, I think Mississippi State's still a pretty nasty team to deal with, and particularly from the uh, from the defensive standpoint. LSU's offensive line needs to have another nice game to help out Joe Burrow and company and, uh, and allow the Tigers to have some success on that side of the ball uh, to, to aid the special teams and defense that, that LSU has been able to manage for most of the year. Yeah, um, that – the defensive line with Montez Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons is going to be salty. And, of course, the game last year, State crushed LSU 37-7. to That was kind of um, one of the one of the blemishes on the, on the schedule last year. What's really interesting to, interesting to me is – so State's a weird team, man, because they have uh, – I think they have good players, but Nick Fitzgerald passed for 69 yards in the win against Auburn. Like, when's the last time you saw a quarterback besides, I guess, at LSU when – they average about 100 yards a game. But, like, when's the last time you've seen a, a team uh, a pass for 69 yards and, and find a way to win? I mean, he rushed for 195, but he's just a, he's a dynamic player. He's going to be – They're not a triple option team, correct? <laughs> no. As far as I know. Yeah. Uh, Joe Moorhead, new head coach, came from Penn State. Um, that's kind of the, the the image they want to they want to look offensively. I'm just really curious as to what kind of this, their offense is developing into with Fitzgerald under center because he is a dynamic guy and he can he can do both. He can run and pass. But uh, I didn't get to watch that Auburn game, but to leave with 69 passing yards on the day and find a way to, to win is 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 pretty remarkable. But When your defense is their defense yeah. and holds the opposition to nine points. You don't have to do uh, much, do you? You don't have to do quite as much as you do in most college football games these days. So, I, I mean – I really do think everything for them starts on defense. Nick Fitzgerald, though, is is an interesting 
dual threat type guy because yeah he he might only pass for 140 yards a game but then he can turn around and run for another 100 on average and so you have to respect that and and some of the other weapons he has uh he has around them to to get those guys involved and as soon as you start to uh, not honor their ability to throw the football then all of a sudden you've got Mitchell or or Gidry or or Hill or somebody Mm -hmm. um getting a little bit too open and, and being gone up the field yeah Fitzgerald's your leading passer and their leading rusher on the year um 513 yards rushing with seven TDs. I mean, he's going to be the guy that it's going to kind of make or break their offense. I will not be surprised to see him kind of put a lot of guys in the box and and try to make Fitzgerald pass the ball more. Um, The good thing about LSU, if you want to feel confident about this matchup, is they do have the linebackers who can kind of run sideline to sideline and and keep up with with Fitzgerald. But – He's just not a super dynamic. He only completes forty nine percent of his passes, four touchdowns, three ints. But um, he's creative enough, and he can make he can when a play breaks down, he has the ability to to, to kind of get out there and and make some things happen. It's going to be um, it's going to be real interesting, and I'm also curious to see what LSU can do offensively in the sense of trying to get their run game going. That's kind of been I know we talk so much about Joe Burrow and rightfully so, but it really all stems around. I mean, Nick Nick Brissett has had a much better year, much better year than I think a lot of us thought he would, and now Clyde's really emerged as as a an elite back and for LSU. And I think if if they can get the run established, that sounds super cliche, but if they but it really has been when their run game gets going, which has been every game so far this year, pretty much it opens up the pass game. But this is going to be the toughest challenge up front. And uh, Coach O talks about Heinz 57 going to get the going to get some more action that's going to be a, a tall task going up against those two or that that defensive line as a whole he's he's really come a long way though through half the season and is looking like he is equipped to I mean to be a whether starting or just playing a lot of snaps uh, in the SEC against some top opponents he, he's looking like he is that guy um, even as a true freshman, even though he just switched positions a couple months ago. Um, but I agree that I think it it all starts with their ability to protect Burrow, create some running lanes and some opportunities to throw the ball a little bit and just to have enough success offensively and not get eaten up. Because if you look at the, I guess, the sacks that, that Mississippi State is putting up with all those guys up front you mentioned and then they're averaging almost nine tackles for loss per game total. If you keep – that's a big part of why they're so good on in defending third downs is because teams are playing from bad positioning on those third downs. And so you're looking at teams having to consistently um, try to convert a third and seven, third and eight, third and 12 against a defensive front that can get after that quarterback and then doesn't have to respect the run so much. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that LSU has to avoid is getting behind the sticks. And, I mean, that's something we've talked about throughout the season, uh, and it'll all start up front. But that's that's going to be a matchup to watch uh, all evening on Saturday. Yeah, and I think that's the one that the matchup everyone's kind of circling, uh, rightfully so, is that LSU O-line, which has had its moments where it's been kind of iffy versus that Mississippi State D-line, which has been pretty solid all year. But um, – and LSU, a lot of people questioned if LSU could get any run game going last week, and they and they certainly found a way. 
So we'll see if it happens this week. Uh, the spread right now looks about six and a half points. LSU at home. It's the homecoming game. I don't. Maybe by the time this comes out, we'll have answers. But there's been some like possible rumors of a new jersey of a interesting looking yeah, jersey. I don't I've know if it's going to happen or not. Or, a little bit. Uh, so we'll see. But um, you know what? I also this is just a random note that I liked uh, going into that Ole Miss game which was the gold game for LSU, yeah. and now Mississippi State is homecoming. I just really like <laughs> – I appreciate the pettiness slash disrespect of LSU for the Mississippi schools. <laughs> we got to be better than Mississippi at something. <laughs> um, yeah, six-and-a-half point spread. Uh, I think I made you do their, uh, your prediction last first last week. I don't know if you prepared – for the for this week, so go ahead and if you want to oh. if you want to ballpark. No, no, I'll I'll go first, but just get get your mind right because you're you're going to, you're oh, going okay, next. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do think LSU wins this game. I think there's going to be a lot of um, uh, resentment, I guess, towards uh, towards State after last year's game. I know the, the players are already talking about how they kind of got got whooped in that one last year. So I don't think this is going to be one that they're going to you know overlook. And Bama still they got the bye week and then Bama's. But I know it's the next game on the schedule, but. I don't think they're gonna they're gonna look past this one, especially it's it's at home and how last year's result went. I think it's gonna be kind of tough going offensively for LSU, but I I just after last week's game and Georgia's offense, which is so potent, and watching what Dave Aranda did to them and um and shutting down that offense, I I just think they're gonna draw something up to to keep this Mississippi State team at ease. But um, I'm saying something around the like a 24. 17 situation it'll relatively low scoring um maybe a late score by lsu to kind of feel more comfortable but i I think state kind of is going to hang in there and keep it keep it close um for a good while but i think lsu ends up pulling it out yeah i'll say 24 17 well i told you bro they might lose this Uh game are you gonna call it (laughs) no i just i really enjoyed that lee corso moment last week (laughs) where i i went one way and then came back the other uh they they really need to take this game seriously, and yeah. there are a lot of matchup areas, again, that, that can cause LSU some trouble. But at the end of the day, they played really well Saturday, and I have a lot of, a lot of um, confidence in and have been really impressed with the way that this team has carried themselves throughout the season. And so I don't have any reason to think that those sort of things go out the window this week. And so I'm looking at LSU to win, again, maybe a closer game than some fans are expecting just because they come off of such a big victory against number two. Um, but I'm going to say 27-20 LSU victory to set up a monster game against the Crimson Tide in two weeks. Do the fans rush the field after this win? I don't know. <laughs> That's going to be interesting because, look, $100,000 is, I mean, Substantial. It's, it's a lot of money to people like me and you. I mean – it's easy money to Ed Paris, but if you're <laughs> going to do it three straight weeks, it starts to add up. And I don't know what Garrett Graves' total that he's raised on his GoFundMe yeah. is at at this moment, but um, it was it was not barreling towards 100000 uh on Monday or Tuesday night or whenever the last time I checked it was. It was, it was still kind of getting going. And if you start looking at doubling and potentially tripling that cool. amount, um, I, I just don't know cool. what the highest – GoFundMe account can can do for LSU. What do you think of the field rush? Was it was it warranted? Was it a was it a? I'm I'm comfortable with stuff like that, man. Like I 
I understand people criticizing and you get the whole act like you've been there. You know what? Have fun. That's a moment. So the thing is like that people say act like you've been there. LSU has not been there for 10 years or five years. They, what, 2011 was when they were quote unquote relevant again. They, they haven't, they haven't been there. I think the fans yeah. were just, I just looking for something to get excited about. They haven't had that kind of atmosphere, that kind of win in Tiger stadium in in six years. That's just, I get it. I, I get both sides of it. And, I wish I had a stronger opinion overall on it, but like I mean, I get it. I get both sides of the argument, but LSU has not been super relevant for the past five, six years. The majority of the people, I don't, it's hard to say because like you can't say the majority of the people because there's a lot of alumni and you know families yeah. and stuff like that in there, and and I outside of the players and, and whatnot, I can't say the most important people because uh, I think people can make a pretty good case for the TAF folks being uh, being pretty notable compared to the students. But when you look at this being college football and a team of 18 to 23 or four-year-old dudes and a football game, which is supposed to you know be fun in a lot of ways, even if it is um, a, a little bit more serious than that uh, while it's happening, and then a university, a big state university and that, that big student section have fun, man. Like yeah. I just, I hate how much fun people try to take out of sports and you have to be, you have to have levels of respect and, and do this and that. And it is a big business and all of those things. But at the end of the day, that's a moment that Ed Paris is never going to forget. That's a moment that all those people, I mean, I don't know. Some of those people fumbling over the, uh, <laughs> they, probably don't remember they, they might not remember it to begin with, but but all those people that have those pictures now, couples out there that yeah. will have that photo in their their wedding gallery or whatever, playing like during the reception, or like that's that's such a cool, fun moment that I I think is is really special, and I I don't know, I don't want to diminish that because I, I think it's a a really cool moment. Trey Quinn switched schools, is in the NFL, will never forget. Uh, crowd surfing yeah. after the whole miss game. True, um, I can tell you. I can tell you for sure the players loved. The players were eating it up. I mean, you mentioned Ed Paris and waving him in, saying he's going to pay the fine. He got it covered. Don't worry about it. But um, Ed Paris is one of the funniest dudes on that team. Yeah. I, that a lot of people don't necessarily know because because um, he doesn't get in front of the camera quite as much. But <laughs> Eddie P's hysterical, <laughs> and folks got a chance to see it Saturday. Yeah, uh, the players, like they said after the game, I talked to a few different guys that said that was one of the best atmospheres, and they loved having the students on the field, just getting involved with them and feeling the love. And um, they're obviously making the call to get all the LSU fans to stay for the for the rest of the game, you know, the, the full game in the future and how much they feed off the crowd and that kind of thing. But uh, that was cool. Should be a good atmosphere. Hopefully the the rain kind of holds off a little bit. Um, you sort of teased it earlier with your column, but what, what else you got coming besides that? Uh, besides the column on, on Tiger Details coming up. Yeah, man, check out the column for sure. Uh, I'm really looking forward to listening to this week's In the Details podcast, which I know is something I've, I've kind of plugged um, week in and week out. But Jimmy and Ryan Clark get into uh, some breakdown of what makes Grant Delpit so special and what allows him so much success in so many different places. And so uh, I think a lot of people should probably be eager to hear what – uh, long-time NFL safety Ryan Clark has to say about Grant Delpit uh, in a in a pretty uh, deep analysis of of the Tigers sophomore, um, and then we'll certainly have the the game day coverage here in just a, a couple days. We'll be hitting some different high school games on 
on Friday, uh, a meet and all those guys that everyone wants to end up at LSU are uh, playing a big one against St. Helena, a little local rivalry. And, you know, it's, it's getting to be an interesting time to watch recruiting after a big win. Somehow Marcus Banks from Texas ends up decommitting yeah, interesting. Um, from from DBU right after that big win. But there are a lot of other guys in play, and LSU now kind of getting down to crunch time the last six weeks-ish uh, until the early signing period when they hope to uh, sign and seal the bulk of mm-hmm. a class that looks like it's going to be a really good one to, to build off of this year with. That's going to be super exciting as we get down the stretch. Um, I know I've already seen yourself, Jimmy, and Sam plugging away on some uh, on some recruiting stories. A lot of big news will be happening in the next couple of weeks, so be sure to follow Tiger Details. He's on Twitter at Jarrett Roser. I'm on Twitter at Mark Clements 225 And be sure to check out our 225 brands this week. we got a new uh, – sort of a new feature we got coming out. Um, we went behind the scenes at the 13th gate and got turned into – uh, I guess a zombie is what I was what I was um, but it was awesome like behind the scenes footage uh, facebook.com slash 225 magazine and on Instagram and Twitter at 225 Baton Rouge check it out or 225 Baton Rouge.com thanks for listening and we'll see y'all next week we